Welcome to the podcast filled with his love, the only podcast that draws upon both religion and psychology to help you strengthen your attachment relationships. Here's your host, Dr. Russ Osgothorpe, Emeritus Professor of Instructional Psychology and Technology, author and speaker. His latest book entitled Filled with His Love, Strengthening Our Attachment to God and to Others is available on Amazon now. Today, we will talk about the importance of holding on to family, and I've asked my wife, Lolly, to join me for this episode. Several years ago, President Hinckley described an experience he had following the dedication of a temple. In his words, quote, As I sat in the celestial room, I thought of my great-grandfather, the first in my family to join the church. Then there was my grandfather, who was baptized in Nauvoo and subsequently crossed the plains. Then came my father— He came to the BY Academy and was taught by President Carl G. Mazur. These three good men represent the three generations of my forebears who have been faithful in the church. President Hinckley continued, Reflecting on the lives of these three men while I was seated in the temple, I looked down at my daughter, at her daughter, who is my grandchild, and at her children, my great-grandchildren. I suddenly realized that I stood right in the middle of these seven generations— three before me and three after me. In that sacred and hallowed house, there passed through my mind a sense of the tremendous obligation that was mine to pass on all that I had received as an inheritance from my forebears to the generations who have now come after me. I thought of an experience I had long, long ago. In the summer, we lived on a farm. We had a little old tractor. There was a dead tree I wished to pull. I fastened one end of a chain to the tractor and the other end to the tree. As the tractor began to move, the tree shook a little, and then the chain broke. I looked at that broken link and wondered how it could have given way. I went to the hardware store and bought a repair link. I put it together again, but it was an awkward and ugly connection. The chain was never, never the same. As I sat in the celestial room of the temple pondering these things, I said to myself, Never permit yourself to become a weak link in the chain of your generations. It is so important that we pass on without a blemish our inheritance of body and brain, and if you please, faith and virtue to the generations after us. In the book Filled with His Love, and in this podcast today, we talk about attachments. I cannot conceive of a more powerful metaphor for attachment than the chain that President Hinckley refers to. One link firmly attached to another link, link after link, generation after generation. Like President Hinckley, we can envision three generations before us and three generations who have come after us, my father Wesley, my grandfather Osmond, and my great-grandfather John Henry. My father basically grew up without a father because his father Osmond died when my father was only six years old. My father could not serve a mission because he needed to remain at home to help his mother care for the family. Then, after he married my mother, they had two daughters, and he was immediately called to serve in World War II, fighting in Okinawa, the bloodiest battle of the entire war. My grandfather Osmond died at the age of 34 and left his wife Bessie pregnant with their fifth child. Everyone who knew him spoke of his total devotion, not only to the Lord, but to his wife and children. My great-grandfather was born in Salt Lake only a few years after his parents arrived in Utah after making the trek from Pennsylvania with the early pioneers. 
He served, and listen to this, for 37 years as leader in the Sunday school, 35 years in the elders quorum presidency, and 20 years as the choir director. Obviously, these things overlapped some. And my favorite fact about him, in his lumber mill, he actually sawed some of the steps for the Salt Lake Temple. What about your ancestors? As a woman, I've noticed that most of my female ancestors have very little written about them. Only birth, marriage, and death dates accompany many of my great-grandmothers. Thankfully, my dear mother, Lola Hansen Sedgwick, wrote her own history and compiled photos and stories for her posterity to get to know her. The record is comprehensive, but anyone who knew Lola Hansen Sedgwick has their own story to tell. To this day, I still have members of our ward come to me to recite a memorable story, most often on Fast Sunday, if the testimonies are slow in coming. My mother always jumped to her feet to bear her testimony and suggest, in a forthright way, that they, too, never waste a precious moment, she would say. She was a woman to be reckoned with, beloved seminary teacher, church leader par excellence, and the most unique mother and grandmother who ever walked the earth. She would inquire of each grandchild as they walked through the door and say, Quote, now open your mouth and let me see if you've been good, she'd say. Quote. The answer always being, I thought so. Her mother, Hulda Amelia Jacobson Hansen, died when I was a child, but I do have vivid memories of her warm smile and loving gestures when I was in her presence. As a young bride, Amelia's husband was called on a mission, and so she moved to her father-in-law's sheep ranch and farm in Collinston, Utah, with her new baby. Her mother-in-law died shortly thereafter in childbirth and left a newborn baby, which Amelia nursed, too. The record states that, quote, one cried all day and the other cried all night, end quote. Along with caring for eight other children, I can hardly imagine what that would have been like doing all the household chores and sewing for the ranch hands, too. Amelia's capacity for enduring well was phenomenal. And her mother, my grandmother, Carolina Christina Carlson Jacobson, affectionately known as Little Grandma, died before I was born. Her history states she had no schooling but somehow learned to read the Bible, which she loved to do, and was an expert knitter. A sparse account states she was devoid of marital bliss in her latter days. The causes of the divorce remain muddy, but I like the account that states that Little Grandma still loved her husband. Her daughter Amelia, my grandmother, relied on her heavily throughout her married life, and they were very close. Carolina lived in Salt Lake, raising a granddaughter until her death at 96 and a half years. My great-grandfather was sealed to his wife in the endowment house long before the Salt Lake Temple was completed. My grandfather Osmond was sealed to his wife Bessie in the Salt Lake Temple. My parents were also sealed there, and, remember, so were we. Mm-hmm. The same on my wife's side. What could be more representative of attachment than the sealing ordinance? But being sealed does not in and of itself mean that our relationship is safe, secure, and enduring. To be securely attached to each other means that we must truly love each other, be completely devoted to each other. So there is a chain that links one generation to another, but we are also sealed together in families with our siblings. So I need to ask myself, am I as attached to my siblings as I need to be? Have I made the most of those relationships that last so long in mortality? 
On the average, siblings live on Earth together 25 years longer than children live with their parents. So these relationships need to be nurtured like all family relationships. The chain that ties generations together in a vertical direction has chains that go out in a horizontal direction. To those in the same generation are siblings. Here is something I've been learning about sibling relationships. Research shows that we often have more in common with our friends than we do with our siblings. Siblings share DNA, but their life experiences have sometimes been so different that they may drift apart from one another. They don't feel they have much in common with each other. But here's my latest insight. Siblings do have one thing in common. They share the same parents and ancestors, and they can talk about their parents, their memories, their feelings about growing up, even though they may have grown up in different circumstances, because every child born in the same home grows up in a different time. Changes are always occurring in the surroundings, even in the same family. As I began to post family records on Family Search, I wanted to know more about my grandmas. I realized that there were 10 of Amelia's grandchildren still alive, and so I started with three of my siblings who are still alive, and we spent a Zoom call reminiscing about our own personal memories. These stories jogged our memories, and it was a fun, connecting time we shared together. I then reached out to my other living cousins and asked for their stories, which I combined into a document and attached to memories on Amelia's side in Family Search. Everyone had a beloved memory of my grandmother. So finding things in common with a sibling or even with cousins is always possible even if their paths through life have been quite different. They all have an ancestor in common. And the more they find in common, the more they can nurture that horizontal attachment, an attachment that ties them both to their vertical attachment of parents and grandparents. Now let's get back to President Hinckley. His plea to keep our family chains unbroken was a plea to form lasting, secure attachments. And we should not look lightly upon a prophetic plea. It's a plea for us to draw close to one another and to God. And there's no question in my mind that when we draw close to our ancestors, we will also draw close to God. And the closer we draw to God, the more we want to share His love with those around us, with our children and our grandchildren. I thought the other day that one of the blessings I treasure most is the gift of watching our children grow to adulthood, and then watching their children also grow to adulthood. I believe it's a priceless gift. Yes, and we somehow are miraculously permitted to see all of the faithful actions of our posterity. Every good thing each one does seems to build upon all that has gone before. It's quite impossible to explain, but it's true. It's something like the concept of being added upon. We come to earth, have kids, our kids have kids, and their kids have kids. It's like a piling up of blessings. Yes, and they sometimes even name their kids after the ones who came before, like little Amelia, our great-grandchild, who was named after me and my grandmother Amelia. Somehow I lucked out. My full name is Lola, after my mother, and Amelia, after my grandmother. What a legacy to live up to. This is attachment at its strongest, generation to generation, back to ancestors and forward to posterity, on and on in the unbroken chain, just as President Hinckley said. And always up to God. 
That's the beauty of these attachment relationships. They're everlasting because they come from God. They don't just come from parents and grandparents. They come from our heavenly parents. And so, we hope that today you've been motivated to strengthen some attachment in your chain of family relationships. We hope you've been prompted to be a strong link in the chain. And we hope that through all this strengthening, you will draw closer to the source of our joy, our Heavenly Father and His beloved Son.